0: This is Around the League from UGASports.com. I am Dane Young alongside Brent Rollins and the College Football Hall of Famer Jim Donnan. He's the former Georgia head coach. This is the show where we talk about each team in the SEC and this is our wrap up for the season as we are a show that airs during the uh, college football season. So we'll be back uh, potentially next year for that. Uh, We haven't really discussed SEC football, us three together, since the uh, rivalry week around Thanksgiving, so we want to kind of give a wrap up of the coaching carousel and the bowl games where each team stands. Um, just overall, though, Coach, I know you've been excited for the season that was uh, Georgia and Alabama leading the way, but the conference I thought had some surprises and, and a really a, a strong amount of talent in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great year for football after COVID. It was just good to see the fans in the stands and you know just all the pomp and that's involved with the game Uh, it just doesn't seem like football uh, the way we were doing it with COVID and uh, you can see the uh, little rust on the players too I mean early on uh, fundamentally they just weren't as sound uh, the last year and a half but having spring practice certainly helped but I uh, you know really can't reflect much on the season because I'm looking so forward to these bowl games and obviously the uh, top Two games that we're going to talk about, so uh, it's going to be a good show. And I'm glad that Connor uh, is broadcasting our show as like they always do, and uh, you know have one last show to kind of bring out the, the last of the year and get ready for next year. We are presented by Connor Grading
0: and Landscaping. Now, one thing I would tell you, if you like the film reviews that Brent and I do, the film don't lie. That is continuing in the off season, so maybe we'll sneak Coach on on one of those uh, at some point to really show us what some X's and O's look like, because you know would know way better than me. Um, so let's let's start with this. Let's just begin with the SEC East and uh, Brent Georgia twelve and one. and in in the conference in the regular season, the one loss in the SEC championship to Alabama. The Bulldogs playing Michigan in the Orange Bowl coming up. Uh, Dan Lanning did take the Oregon job. Will Muschamp, at some point, he's uh, Dan Lanning coaching in the Orange Bowl, but Will Muschamp's going to move into an elevated role. Overall, Georgia, thoughts on on the Bulldogs?
2: 12-1 and in the playoff. Before the season, if you said, hey, that's what we have, you take that all day, every day. You, you you don't now the ending obviously you don't feel as good about it you had the chance to sort of you know put your foot on Alabama's throat a little bit and push them out of the playoff for the most part but you didn't get it done but now you get a second chance you get a couple weeks to get healthy and you have a really interesting just physical football game really true old school you know just two physical football teams going at it, each other in the playoff first playoff game
1: yeah you made that exactly right you know if we were talking about college basketball and you lose in the conference championship game then you go into the tournament you still got a great shot a lot of teams win the national championship with a loss in the in the basketball tournament but i do have some interesting news that uh, i got right before we got on the air uh, coach smart is going to bring in urban meyer and jim trestle to help us show how to beat michigan <laughs> and hamlet's here over the next couple of weeks no they're, they're not gonna he's not gonna do that but i, I thought that's a little, <laughs> little funny deal but they do know how to beat Michigan, that's for sure. But uh, it's going to be a, a physical game, and everybody's looking forward to it uh, over here just to get the bad taste out of the mouth. But uh, tremendous recruiting year for Georgia, uh, just really outstanding. And it's going to be uh, a, a great chance to look at some of these young players in practice. That's the one thing that I would say we'll go on to. But when you get into a bowl, you got 14 or 15 extra days to practice that you wouldn't have if you weren't playing in a bowl. And what that does for you is get you a chance to focus on the game itself, but also keep the uh, younger guys out there and do some reps and work on fundamentals that they maybe hadn't had a chance to because they were always a scout team back in the fall. And uh, it gives them a lot of juice too because the, the major coaches are looking at them instead of the scout team guys. And it gives them, a, gives you an opportunity to kind of, catapult into the spring, knowing exactly what those kids have, how they've developed between September and December. So uh, all these bowl games are, are important to the teams, regardless if you're, you know, South Carolina playing in one. I mean, that's 15 extra practices for them. So uh, whereas maybe a team like Florida, you know, they, they got these extra practices, but they don't really have. They have just a, a coaching staff that. Kind of in disarray, and uh, they got people in that transfer portal and all that. So let's go on to the next
0: one. Well, Brent, did you have any wrap up thoughts on Georgia? Because I know Coach and I will get that before Michigan for UGA Sports Live next week.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, the biggest thing they finished with a great recruiting class, them, AM, Bama, just head and shoulders above everyone else. And you know, they, I think that just restocking the talent where it needs
0: to be restocked, that you fill depth where you need to fill it. Second in the SEC East, the Kentucky Wildcats. Undefeated for much of the season, as, as we mentioned on this show, I did probably too much, in the Verbo Citrus Bowl against Iowa. Kentucky, uh, Brent 9-3 and three in uh, overall in their schedule, 5-3 and three in the SEC. Most of that, uh, those losses coming late. Interesting thing with them, Brad White, defensive coordinator, was being pursued by LSU, according to uh, many reports, and uh, he's staying at Kentucky.
2: Yeah, he's standing in Kentucky, and they actually finished, uh, according to the rivals' rankings, they were uh, fourth in the conference in terms of uh, ranking 10th overall, I think it was, and you know, got a top-30 kid offensive lineman from Indiana, so finishing and taking the momentum that they got during the season, where at one point, obviously, they were undefeated coming into Athens, you know, and, and then doing something with it in the recruiting trail. Now, obviously, they didn't finish like they would have, but at least from the bowl game perspective, like you, you get a very interesting matchup where – you know, you might be, if you're the first one to, you know, 20 points, you're, you might be, you're probably going to be the victor in this game. Uh, But yes, it's, it's one where I think Kentucky overall, and I think the other thing about Kentucky from a recruiting perspective, and this is always fascinating to me is where teams get it. And we'll talk about Florida, the Florida thing in a little bit, but they got players from Alabama, Michigan, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Mississippi, and Texas. Like that's, you know, when when have you ever thought that Kentucky was a sort of national brand in terms of getting players from all over the country?
1: And, and they did it this year. Are you talking about basketball? <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, you know, I've got to give uh, Stoops a lot of credit. I mean, he's parlayed this job into a big time contract. Uh, he's won just enough to uh, make the people up there feel comfortable about him. He's had his name up for some other jobs. And He's, he's done a, a really good job of uh, using that program uh, uh, to his advantage in a lot of different ways. But uh, I think the the improvement they made offensively this year, bringing in the quarterback from Penn State and, uh, you know, showing that, that they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They had the other one upset of Florida, but it ended up not being an upset after you saw what Florida did. But I would just say that this game here is going to boil down to uh, – probably take about two hours to play. I mean, if you count the halftime, it's going to be, uh, you know, just powerball by both teams. Uh, you know, the one thing that you got with Kentucky, a little bit better passing quarterback. So, but uh, Citrus Bowl is always a good fun bowl. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's one of the best ones I ever been uh, went to. But the, what I would uh, tell the uh, both these teams is you've got to really work on letting your kids – rest some, because every day after practice, okay, we're going to Disney World after practice, okay, we're going to Sea World after practice, we're going to, I mean, they got you doing something every day, and you're standing up, and your legs are tired, and I mean, uh, I was a lot younger when we played in it, but uh, my ass was dragging that by the time we played, because I was trying to keep up with my children, and and uh, their children and everybody else. I'm just telling you, it's a different ball game. If I, I know that I think you, you guys probably been to Disney World when you weren't coaching football or covering it, and it's just uh, all the events are really overwhelming, the hospitality, but you got to be really careful that, you, that your team isn't too tired. You know, uh, that's what I would warn them about.
0: What's your favorite ride at Disney World, Coach? Do you have one?
1: Oh, 20,000 <laughs> leagues under the sea. I like to go down deep, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm a splash mountain guy myself. I like the fast ones too, but I, I just want to give you a little juice burn there and let you know. But, uh, you know, I really have always enjoyed taking my kids there. I mean, I remember my son was in a stroller and then my two girls, you know, and they were just mad at me because I was always strolling him around. But it, it was it was fun to get him there and that was 1973 uh, and uh, I can remember the place hadn't changed that much it's great uh, it's, it's it's awesome just uh then I took my uh, granddaughter one time and I had some VIP things because I worked with ESPN and we actually got to go in the in the room there with all the characters and uh, she got to interact with them and then they actually took her to the uh, meet uh, you, you know, some of the other people, and it was just a VIP thing, she'll never forget.
0: That's all awesome. those Disney credentials around. Do you have a favorite ride, Brent?
2: Uh, I mean, Splash and Space Mountain, there. Uh, I think the newer some of the newer ones, like the Tower of Terror at the other places, you know, the other sort of parks that are part of it. Yeah. I like those as well. But um, I will say this we went the last time we went, it was in I think June at some point in June, and it wasn't like you know, the smiles that everybody talked about, it was a lot of parents who were just like.
0: Doing this and sweating like crazy and and not really enjoying themselves. First yeah. time I ever went, I was with two of my buddies, and we're just talking. I mean, I was in college, I think. We're talking and this uh we're like, Man, I wonder how much it'd cost to bring a family of four here for a week. And no lie, this guy in front of me turns around and he says, Five thousand dollars.
1: I remember the way he said that to this day. All right, back on track that, here. He Have that prime rib. Eating contests, who, which guy can eat the most prime rib? You know, from each team, it's just really ridiculous to see those guys slopping the hogs. Oh, Arkansas should have been in it. We'll get to them in a few
0: minutes. Um, All right, so in the TransPerfect Music City Bowl, it is Tennessee versus Purdue. Tennessee seven and five overall on the season, four and four in the conference. Probably, Brent, I would say overperforming based on where the roster was preseason.
2: Oh yeah, and just and a lot of momentum, a lot of positive momentum. You got Hayden Hooker who's already said he's coming back. And that that's really it. That's that was to me the biggest thing from a recruiting perspective. They did well in, in recruiting overall. I think 11th overall in the country, 5th in the SEC. But, you know, getting that, getting the quarterback back and a guy that you felt comfortable with and played well with uh, when he did play, that's that that was your biggest recruit.
1: Yeah, you know, Tennessee's good news and bad news. Good news is they're getting to play in a bowl and they don't have any idea about what their sanctions are going to be. And that's going to be the bad news because uh, that's going to hit them here sometime between now and next season. We'll find out. what. But you got to give kudos to uh, two coaches to me that just wore out the transfer portal. Uh, Mel Tucker at Michigan State and uh, Josh Hype at Tennessee – just really took advantage of the transfer portal and blended their skills and their skill set into their programs and and catapulted them into some really good wins and uh, I think we're going to see that with Florida here we we'll talk about them in a minute but you just the, the transfer portal is like free agency I mean it just really is out there and if you uh lose some players this year you can actually bring seven more in so Uh, a team could ostensibly bring 32 new players in the 25 recruits and seven transfer people, but you can't bring in 32 recruits unless you have seven transfers. So uh, leave your place. So it's going to be an interesting scenario, but I I think this game here is going to be like 90 to 88. I mean, Purdue uh, has a hard time stopping people. Tennessee does too. They both got really high powered offenses and, it could be, you know, really it could be a game in the '60s. It could be fun to watch at least. The spoiler makers always fun. Uh, next
0: up, Missouri, six and six overall, three and five in the conference. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl against Army, a team that I don't think many people enjoy playing, Brent, especially in postseason.
2: Yes, I mean think about the bowl. You play a bowl game and you got oh, I got to go practice against the triple option. Uh, but still, yet for Missouri, interesting year for them, kind of just barely getting to bowl eligibility. And then from a recruiting perspective, I've seen some places, you know, some of the various you know, recruiting sites have them as high as like fourth in a conference, but uh, with rivals, had them ninth in the conference. But the biggest thing is if they get the quarterback and the receiver right, if Sam Horn, who's out of Collins Hill, that, you know, throwing to Travis Hunter all, all year, and then Luther Burden, if those two guys become big time players for them, your, your recruiting class is made. And you actually, you know, now you have something to build upon and move forward with, and, and drink, which can, you know, stay there and actually keep some of that momentum that you know he got last year that kind of died off a little bit this year. Get that momentum back.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention Sam Horn. I think uh, he's a kind of a diamond in the rough that people maybe missed on around th- different places, but the guy is a winner and. You did a good job of distributing the ball. But the thing about playing a, in a bowl game, if you're, if you're going to play against a triple option team, you either play them the first game of the year or in a bowl where you got more time to prepare or, or before an open date or something, because you just can't get your scout team operating like you need to and, and your players reacting to it. Um, you know, Army's coming off a downer. I mean, you can't have anything worse in your career than to lose the Navy. I mean, you talk about life or death. That game, you know, Army's kind of had the things going for them here lately, but they lost a heartbreaker to Navy. And uh, Army's been an up-and-down team all year, kind of self-destructed. Mm-hmm. We watched them play against Wake Forest. It was like 60 to 57 or something. Yeah. I mean, it was just ugly game on both sides defensively. So <laughs> I think I think Drinkwich is either – really good or really bad when they coach i mean they have some really good games and then some things they do i just don't even think they're watching the film so they better get ready and have a plan against this triple option because as you've talked about and i've talked about you're not going to get but eight or nine possessions because they're not going to give you the ball any even if you play good if it's fourth down and less than one or two they're going for it i don't care where they are so that's two more minutes off the clock three more minutes but i think army's Defense is just so bad against the pass. If, uh, if they do any good at all, uh, Missouri can run the ball with Bailey. If they can run it like they normally can, I think they can really hurt them passing the ball. One thing I want to mention from
0: the coaching staff standpoint, and not necessarily coordinators, but when Rhett Lashley got the head coaching job at SMU, and Brent, you write about Miami uh, for, for their rival site. I covered Rhett Lashley when he was on Auburn staff uh, in the Gus Malzahn era. That Malzahn tree and all those guys that work together is kind of spreading out a bit more as the years go by. And so Missouri lost a few people in their support staff over to SMU. And if Rhett Lashley does well, I think that, that probably continues. And they're having to kind of find people from elsewhere. But that's where Eli Drinkwitz comes from is, is that whole Malzahn. He went over to App State. but. Uh, there, there's going to be some replacing to do there. Yep. Next up, we have this is a fun one, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which they're so good at social media. South Carolina, uh, six and six overall in the year, three and five in the SEC, going up against North Carolina. Uh, it, it's a Beamer against Mac Brown, so there's there's a lot of college football royalty in terms of the families in this game, Brent.
2: Yeah, and and you also you can think about. What Shane Beamer, he's already, you know, from a recruiting perspective, already feels like a winner because he got Spencer Rattler that's coming uh, from Oklahoma to be there, kind of those, using those Oklahoma ties uh, that he had. But, you know, you think about South Carolina, while they had a very positive year and thing, and should feel good about themselves, hey, we got a quarterback. When you look at their, some of their losses to Georgia, Tennessee, A&M, and Clemson, they lost by 27, 25, 30, and 30. Like it was it's hey, we're OK here, but we're a big time notch below where we need to be to compete in the upper echelon. Maybe you get the quarterback and, you know, some some more of I think he's going to keep using the transfer portal more so than the recruiting part of it. Uh, but it's going to be a tough sledding. But this game will be fun. Uh, I think North Carolina won the last time the two of them played a couple of years back. So, you know, good little inner or close state state store state border rival.
1: Yeah, the thing about North Carolina, you know, defensively they lost so many games at the end of the game, and the NC State games got to really stick in their crawl. But uh, and you got to give State credit for coming back. But but I think the big key for South Carolina who's going to play quarterback? This this Brown kid that has entered the portal. I don't know if he's going to play in the game or not. But he, uh, you know, th- then that leaves him Nolan and maybe Luke, uh, maybe Doty can play in the game. I don't know. He had a hurt leg. I don't know if he's out for the year but that you know when they are on offense they're really bad like 11 yards going in the fourth quarter against uh, texas a&m and um it's going to be a, a a game where a lot of motion north carolina soccer. and spencer rattler i mean that's a good pickup but we're not playing seven on seven he's a seven on seven quarterback he, he's a guy that delivers the ball on time and you got good protection he's good but if your if protection breaks down on spencer rattler He's history. I mean, I've watched him for two years, and that's why Williams took over the job. They're going to have to get some kids in the transfer portal to protect him. If he gets protected, protect him, he can throw the football, and he, he really knows how to deliver it. But I'm telling you now, unless their offensive line rep- improves, they can bring Tom Brady in there. It's not going to make <laughs> any difference. I'm telling you, that's going to be the real key for them is get some old linemen to help these quarterbacks out. Their defense took a lot of chances this year. And uh, I don't know if uh, if uh, North Carolina's quarterback is going to play or not. I hadn't seen where he opted out, but it's up to, for grabs if he does. But uh, who the quarterback is going to be for both teams really going to have a lot to do with who wins this game.
0: If you would have told me that Florida would have ended up at six and six overall, two and six in the league after almost beating Alabama and competing really hard in that game, I, I would have told you I thought you were crazy. The Gators do get bowl eligible. Barely, uh, after beating Florida State, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl versus UCF, which is a mouthful. And I know that Florida Gators do not want to lose to UCF because that is just bragging rights in the state. Uh, Dan Mullen fired, Billy Napier hired, interim coach obviously for the Bowl. Uh, still working out what Napier's staff is going to look like, but transition about as strong as he gets, Brent. Yeah. And I think you
2: saw, I think it was yesterday, maybe the Emory, yesterday, the day before the Emory Jones said he was going in the portal, but I think I saw where he said he's going to play in the game, but then go into the portal. I don't know. Maybe I misread that, but that seemed, I thought that was odd uh, when I did read that. But like coach said, a lot of these games are going to be, and even when you look later like LSU or AM, and who's going to play quarterback uh, for both of these teams? Cause I think Dylan Gabriel also put his name in the portal uh, for UCF. So who's going to play QB now? The interesting part with Florida and, and, you guys had fun last night on the uh, UGA Sports Live talking about the, the recruiting stuff. And I know I heard Dave mention that Marshall uh, was at one point in time ahead of them. Oh, for a uh, good long while. Yes. Uh, I think they're maybe one spot behind them now. But by, by the way, 20 spots, like 25 spots ahead of them. Also, West Virginia. So, West Virginia and Marshall, the two Division one programs in the state of West Virginia, which Coach knows well and good how many Division one players exist in that state. It's usually about zero. You know, if it's five, it's like the ba- the biggest year in the history of the state. So you're getting, you know, teams that don't recruit at all in their own state, and they can't really for that matter, and they're way ahead of Florida in the recruiting perspective. But you know, I think, you know, Napier getting the two that he got, getting the two kids that he got, uh, Wilson and and James, there at least something, at least positive. Because if if he's not, if the uh, coaching change is not made, you're you're probably not getting those kids, uh, and it's a little something positive uh, to build on. But like Coach said like all the transition with this, like if you're a coach, what are you even watching in this game? You're like, all right, who wants to fight? Who wants to be here? Who wants to be a Florida Gator? That's probably all you're watching.
1: Yeah, here's the thing about this game, Uh, you know, statewide pride. Everybody wants UCF to beat Florida. I mean, Florida's already played South Florida this year and Florida, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, FAU and they played Florida State. So if they beat UCF, they'll have the uh, quadruple Quinella, They've beaten all four teams in the state of Florida, except Miami. So that's a pretty good year for Florida. But on the other hand, they lost about five or six more to other people. <laughs> so uh, the, the bottom line right now for the Florida Gators fans and everybody else, they will lead the Guinness Book of Records for the transfer portal. They might have uh, 30. I mean, they've only signed like 10 guys. So they'll probably have. 25, maybe 20 to 25 kids in the transfer. Because if you look at it, and I'm a good player at a, at a team that's, you know, a MAC team, and nothing wrong with a MAC or any or you know, and you got a chance to go play in the SEC and see that you might get start for a team like that. But you're a pretty good player, you know. That that's gonna be a a really good draw. I think Florida will have a better roster when they start fall camp than they had when they ended the season. I just really believe they will because only because of the transfer portal. If you get about 15 really good athletes that have played two or three years of college football and you got a chance to scan the country to pick them up, look at what Michigan State did with it. I mean, it's possible to happen. And uh, But as far as this game, I know Gus Malzahn, they're fired up. I mean, they got quarterback problems. You know, Gill- Dylan Gable got hurt and they've had trouble all year. But they- I think they're seven and five. But uh, – it's going to be the Gasparilla Bowl over there in Tampa. And I know that the AD at uh, Florida told the bowl people, we want to play a bowl and we want to play for, before Christmas and we want to get our ass out of there and get going with a new staff. It All makes right, sense. Coach, I, think,
0: I think what you're saying is at Florida's spring game, they're going to have players shaking hands and introducing themselves to each other. Yeah, the yeah huddle.
1: that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. One last yeah. thing. Maybe have some guys from Canada speak in French too and uh, bring those guys in there. Uh,
0: one last thing to talk about in the SEC East, the only SEC team not going to a bowl game. Uh, Vanderbilt 2-10 and 10 overall, uh, 0-8 in the league, kind of expected. Tough road to hoe for Clark Lee. They are doing some facility upgrades, uh, which I think is helpful for Vandy, but not too much to remark on in terms of SEC competitiveness.
2: Now they got competitive at least towards the end of the year a little bit, a little bit. To where they almost won a, few, a game or two, but you know, it's a two, it's a three it's going to be a two or three year process at least. The talent level was so bad uh, that you know it just it's going to take a while for them to another recruiting class or two to really get back to being league caliber competent in the league.
1: Yeah, the one thing I would say about it from a coaching perspective, watching their team, you know your your film shows you what what your team is. They make some dramatic improvement as far as just being really bad to being bad. You know what I mean? They, they're just bad enough that you can't can't stop anybody. But it, 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 just watching them against Georgia and then watching them in the year against Tennessee and Kentucky, I mean, they, they made some really good improvement fundamentally. And the guy's a good coach. They just got to get some players. I mean, they're, they're, they're really going uphill trying to compete as it is, but with the player deficiencies, it's, it's rough. But I'll give him credit for, uh, you know, you measure success in degrees. Success for Georgia is winning every game uh, for Vanderbilt is, you know, making some improvement where you can be 500. And I think they got a chance to do that under this guy. I really do like his fundamentals and his approach. And he's a Vanderbilt guy. I mean, he loves that school and he's going to do everything he can. And a lot of times when you're a, a guy that's uh, – has been there. The people have a tendency to rally around you a little more. You got some buddies that that uh, have graduated with you now are doctors and lawyers and everything. Got a lot of money. So, uh, but you got it's an arms race. There's no question about it. Facility wise, you walk into that stadium. I mean, it just doesn't reek of college football. I mean, it's just a downer when you go in the stadium. So uh, they got to do something about the college atmosphere there.
0: Before we transition over to the SEC West in the second half of our show, I do want to tell you about our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. And I've got two young kids, and so we're at the time of year that uh, they're not playing outside quite as much because it's so cold once uh, they get home from uh, school and babysitter and whatnot. So I'm surveying the perimeter. I'm looking right now. What in my yard can be improved so that way when we get to spring more, we're spending so much time outside, that uh, this is exactly like we need it to be. So maybe that's grass. Maybe that's moving a little bit of earth. Maybe that's creating a new feature in your backyard. Connor Grading and Landscaping can help you with that. Their company based out of Monroe, Georgia. Uh, they really do a great job. They what I love is the creativity that they have. If you go to their website, ConnorGrading.com, you can see some of the work they've done. Whether it's grading or landscaping, They do these paver patios, uh, different. Kinds of patios that you've seen. The fire pit's really cool for this time of year. If you want to get that in before that cold snap hits in January and February here in Georgia, so just go check out what they have going on. And, and you don't have to hear about it from me because they've worked at Brent Rollins' house. So Brent, uh, I yes. know you said that they haven't been out there in a second, and so maybe they need to get back out there to fix what you've messed up.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's that's what it is. I've I've kind of they had such a great job initially, and then I've kind of screwed it up over my own just sheer laziness and or inability to <laughs> to take care of things but i'm doing okay doing okay it still looks
0: it's re- been football solid. season you've been it still busy looks solid yes spring it gets back back into shape Um. if what well, if you know i look at this with dry creek beds and i think oh man that that's got some augusta national qualities to it all i'm saying is check them out connor and landscaping and look if jim Donnan's saying that these are the people you need to have come work on your yard
1: he wouldn't lie to you he hasn't yet hey i'm i feel good about uh just the fact that the, the care that you get after you start up with them, you know, good follow-up, listening to uh, Brent talk about the interaction. And that's what you need because, you know, you, when you get something uh, <clears throat> finished on your yard, it's going to take some uh, follow-up, you know, because you, everybody knows the weather around here, you know how it's going to react to different uh, weather conditions. And Connor's going to, they're, they're a lifetime deal for you. They're going to make it right. ConnorGrading.com,
0: support the people that support us. They've supported around the league since uh, day one this season, and uh, we look forward to, to continuing our relationship uh, and friendship with the folks over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. All right, SEC West time. We'll get coached to start on all of these. Alabama 12-1 on the season, 7-1 on the conference, winning the SEC against Georgia, losing the one game to Texas A&M, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, in the Culture Ball playoff against Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, you know, you got to give Alabama a lot of credit. I mean, they did what they needed to to beat Georgia. I think one big part of the game was uh, everybody talks about what in Georgia rush the passer is good. Uh, you know, they played that game against Auburn, and it looked like their offensive linemen couldn't hear. I mean, they heard a lot better against Georgia. They didn't see anybody missing on the speed rush because of snap count, and they did a good job with their alignment with their line. Brendan talked about that. But the big thing is, You know, they played up to their capabilities, and their defense was bend and don't break. I've broken that down on film, don't lie. But they're going against a tough opponent. Cincinnati's got good corners. They really believe in each other. They haven't lost a game since they lost on the last play to Georgia on the field goal. And uh, they've got to kind of burn their saddle to try to prove they can compete with uh, the big boys. I don't know that that they're going to be able to. uh, It's just going to be a case of – You know, Bryce Young winning the Heisman, we don't know if it's a jinx, but it's going to be different without Mechie. Number eight, not in the game, it it takes away your underneath routes. A lot of things they do, and sure, they'll work on it, but you take a premium guy away from your quarterback like that, it takes a lot out of you. But it'll be a good contest. Uh, Cincinnati's going to play them tough, I think.
2: And it'll be a great game for whoever, you know, if Alabama does get by Cincinnati, which, you know, Vegas, and then most everyone thinks that they will. It'll be a great game for, hey, maybe this is something that we can do, whoever you know comes out of the Georgia-Michigan game, because they have great DBs, like Sauce Gardner and, and Bryant on the other side. You know, Maybe they do the whole Belichickian style and say, hey, we're going to double Jamison Williams, and then Sauce Gardner is going to play on an island on the other side. Maybe that works. Who knows what they do, but they have good defensive players. They have NFL guys. I mean, they have seven, eight guys who are probably going to get drafted, so it's not like they don't have talent. Uh, at Cincinnati, and it's you know it's going to be a great game to watch. But Bama, you know they got the best player. <laughs> the best player carried them the entirety of the season, and if he wasn't the best player, they really w- they could have had probably two three losses. But he was just that
1: good. Probably going to go against the best quarterback that they have played against. As far as uh, this kid, wouldn't you say to this point that uh,
2: with with Ritter, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and he the best combination of the running and throwing part of it. I mean, he's a little bit inconsistent as, as inconsistent as a passer, but they do some things offensively that will make Alabama make choices defensively and where you kind of can't be right uh, as a defense because of the way they use the quarterback
0: in the run game and, and some of the throw game that they use. Ole Miss 10-2, 6-2 and, two, six and two in the SEC. Jeff Levy going off to Oklahoma coaching this game. Matt Corral playing in the game. So it's uh, Baylor versus uh, Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl.
1: Yeah, it's a big matchup for uh, Lebby calling the plays, coming back. Baylor's got a really good situation at quarterback now because they got a guy that played some when the other, their best guy was out for the hamstring, and it really hurt them against some of these teams. Baylor's defense uh, matchup, you know, Randa knows what to do in this game because he's played against, uh, you know, Ole Miss before last year when he was at LSU. So it's going to be a, a game where you can separate uh how are you going to play uh a different conference you know because everybody's talking about conference pride but i think this is a great matchup don't you uh
2: Brent? i do and like i said Aranda's a great coach uh and Corral playing in the game i think is 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 pretty special and pretty cool just because of how he talked about you know being there but you're know, looking i was just kind of doing some research on the rivals quarterbacks that signed with teams over the past decade oh, this is were in the rivals uh, in the rivals top 100 Seventy percent of those guys have transferred away, and of of so of the sixty five, there's like sixty five, I think, that could have played four years. That have their time frame has been four years. Five, five quarterbacks have played four years at the school they signed with. Matt Corral is one of those, and you know some of the early stuff, and then he was rotating a little bit with Rice Pumley before you know before Lane took the job, and the two great years. Uh, under Lane Kiffin, just great for the kid, great to see them moving on. And then, you know, they just had a phenomenal year. And outside of a couple fourth downs against Alabama, they their season and then one loss,
0: they could have been in a whole other place uh, for a great season that they've had. In the world of the coaching carousel, I think that both Dave Aranda and Lane Kiffin will be names that continue to pop up for whenever the, the biggest of the big boy jobs come open. Because uh, they're both at great jobs now. So, so I'm not mm-hmm. like disparaging Baylor and Ole Miss. But what I'm saying is uh, th- they're next.
1: And, their yeah. agents know and you, give, you give them credit for doing a good job. But it wasn't exactly like they came into uh, teams without any players. Sure. You look at what Matt Luke left him there. I mean, it's pretty nice to have a guy like Corral there. And uh, the biggest thing that they were able to do over the last three years, though, the, the defensive nemesis that has plagued mm-hmm. Ole Miss – they got a lot better offense uh, on offense in some ways but defense is where they made a the big jump and uh, you know they didn't have to just outscore people i mean some of their wins were in tight fit ball games where it was a four score game you know like against Tennessee and and you know it just uh, but but their defense let them down against arkansas but stopped the two point play oh uh, you gave me the
0: transition arkansas 8 and 4 overall uh, on their season 4-4 four and four in the conference in the Outback Bowl against Penn State. that That's going to be a hard-hitting game, Coach, two physical teams.
1: Right. I mean, you look at Sam Pittman, what he's done, I mean, they won the first four, then they lost their next four, then they won their next four. So they're, you know, 8-4. Uh, nobody would have thought two years ago when he took over the program that they would get that many wins. Unfortunately, they didn't get to play a bowl last year because of COVID. I think the the team they're playing couldn't play or something. But uh, the the main thing here is the transition has been really good. Now, Arkansas kids stay in the state. They've got a name around the the conference. They're getting some kids out of state that maybe some of the in-state schools that they're recruiting against didn't take, but they can get them. Uh, Everything's pointing good for them. I mean, I think uh, they're they're going against a a solid team. Uh, We'll see. Penn State's had a lot of upheaval. They've lost a couple of coordinators. Brent Pry got the uh, Virginia Tech job, uh, and uh, you know they're bringing Manny Diaz in. One thing you hope if you're uh, if you hope if I'm uh, Coach Pittman is that Manny will call it for the game because they won't know the defense yet. They'll be uh, running some of his stuff instead of Penn State. I wouldn't think they let him call that game yet, but sometimes they do. But he'll do a good job up there. He's a good defensive coach, so. But but overall, it's a good matchup for both teams. But two very physical teams.
2: Yeah, and Arkansas. You know, just it's good to finish that season. You've had such positive momentum within the season. You you slipped a little bit in the middle, but it's good to finish the season on a positive note. You've already got uh, Jaden Hazelwood uh, in the transfer portal. You know, kind of those former Georgia recruiting ties that Sam Pittman had, uh, and seeing some of those players come back, uh, even though he was, you know, even though he never went to Georgia, but he was still heavily recruited by Georgia. But you know, that and then also, you know, for them, just getting players from, like you said, coach, the state of Arkansas. Like I think I saw over half of their players were from the state of Arkansas in the recruited class that they just had. And, and they need that and they need that momentum. And it's and it's good. And he's he's just doing a great job. And you can't ask anything more than what he's done. He just keeps the QB around and you keep building up because you know, it's what two right. years removed from 0 and 10. And, and the opt- other thing
1: that, that you watch for and we haven't talked about is the opt-outs like Burks is, has opted out. Their best player right. is not going to play. So it's going to be a little difficult to uh, match up with anybody without a guy you get the ball to that makes all the big plays. So uh, they got the running game going and all, but he's he's a huge force in their team. It was hurt, You could tell a lot of difference in the way they they play, but the big thing they've got time to prepare for that and, See how it'll go without Birch, but that's a big loss for. Him.
0: Bit of a roller coaster of emotions for Texas A&M, eight and four overall in its season, four and four in the league. Losing Mike Elko, defensive coordinator, to Duke that head coaching job. Losing Zach Calzada to the transfer portal. Uh, pick up Jake Johnson in recruiting, and so maybe there's some buzz that maybe Max is on his way to to join as well, the former LSU quarterback. We'll see if that comes to pass. Uh, all while. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl versus Wake Forest.
1: Yeah, who's going to play yeah. QB? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, talking to some of the people out at uh, Texas A&M, uh, I think they're going to play uh, the guy that started the season. He, he looks like he can play. You know, he hurt his leg, and he was a, he, he won, what's his name? Um, Haynes King. Haynes King, who's a highly recruited kid. And he's going to go at quarterback. I think Calzada saw the writing on the wall with Max Johnson coming in there, which it looks like it's what's going to happen. And I guess those two will fight it out. But, you know, there's a really high, high for uh, this A&M program. They're recruiting uh, nationally ranked one or two, getting some players like maybe get the top two players in Florida. The Jamie J- effect. I don't care where he's recruiting. That guy can get players now. He's recruited the top two players out of Florida. At A and I mean, I guess he told them that the Gulf of Mexico was close to there or something. I don't know how he did it, but uh, just an unbelievable job. But but the, the, on the other hand, just a downward trend with their team this year. They lost four games, three of them to to play the teams against that they were in their second year in the program. When when you've got a four-year head start and everything at Texas A&M, and then they lost the last game to a team that was just an upheaval. The coach was fired. The staff was arguing with each other. They had guys quitting. Uh, It it was just a terrible loss. And, you know, but you watch Jimbo. I mean, you'd think he was a national champion. Uh, And I like the way he's been positive and all, but he needs to go – Take a self appraisal with that offense that they're running. I know they got too many good players not to move the ball, particularly in the first half. They're terrible in the first half this year, and uh, you got all week to make those plans. And then they adjusted halftime pretty good. But isn't that right, Brent? The first half been terrible.
2: Yeah, outside of one game, one very important game. Oh yeah, that <laughs> one counts for sure against Alabama. That that was you know ended up being one for them. But like you said. All of the positives, like all these positive, hey, we got a guy, a coach who we like and who's on a contract for what, 10 years or something like that. And you're recruiting at a level you've never recruited at in your program's history, yet you're not seeing the results on the field. Now, I do think, like, if, if Max does end up there, which I would assume, given that Jake signed there, that's highly likely. I see him being a very steady hand for that team, but still, yet, Spiller's going to go to the draft. Widemeyer's graduating, like there's a lot of playmaker. You know, there's a lot of playmakers that they're losing. And Anaya Smith, I think, will be in the draft. So, you know, yes, you bring in the quarterback you like, and you're bringing in all this talent from a recruiting perspective. But then you lose your playmaker. So, can you get it right? Can you get it settled? And can you go actually truly compete for the West? And they really haven't done that yet.
1: And going against a team that would have been funny to see. If Elko would have stayed there, he's going against his whole team at Wake Forest, so that would have been fun. But uh, Wake Forest can move the ball now. I mean, they they, yes, they, they, use, they use the super senior deal to the, to the max. I mean, just about their whole team uh, is, uh, you know, super senior. You know, what I'm saying is three of them probably graduating from law school this year after the game.
2: <laughs> so, Coach, one question, though. Did you ever recruit an international player? Sure. Because like, sure. I thought oh, like, where that? they signed a tight end from Sweden, like 6'6 six, six
1: kid from Sweden, it said. What, uh, the, the, was his name Ole Onsen? I come from Sweden, <laughs> Ole Onsen. But I, I went to Mexico one time uh, and, and uh, talked to some people down in Mexico about a kicker, and uh, it was – I mean, kidding, but I went there. I also went to Canada and got some players. There you go. You mentioned a quarterback hey, I've been everywhere, man.
0: <laughs> Brent, you mentioned quarterbacks that uh AM might like quarterback that Steve Spurrier said he liked that I like personally is over at Mississippi State. Uh the Bulldogs seven and five regular season, four and four in the conference. Liberty Bowl against Texas Tech Coach. It's uh it's the Leech Bowl, if you will.
1: Yeah, old Leach is gonna go in there asking for that money back he didn't get. he's still talking about that. I don't know how long he's been gone, but he, he thinks they still owe him whatever it is. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But it, it does have a little intrigue, uh, the fact that they're playing against a team, another team that's got a staff that's in transit. You know, I mean, their coach got fired and they're bringing in a, a new guy. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. You know, is a very difficult thing. We mentioned it before, but you're out there coaching and the new coach is probably watching you and uh, uh, you know you probably don't have a job and you're trying to get a job in between getting ready for the bowl and the thing about Mississippi State I mean they really played good the first half against Ole Miss the rain was bad they dropped those three plays that would have put them ahead I mean they just played terrible in second half but Will Rogers this is kind of game where he can go out there. Texas Tech can give you – I mean, if they play good on defense, they can give up 35 on, on a good day. So, I, I look for them to really – if you think somebody's got some venom in his veins, it'll be Mike Leach against Texas Tech.
2: That, that he, won't, he will not slow down. Uh, and what's what's amazing about Mississippi State right now is they didn't slow down in recruiting. They signed – according to the Rivals rankings, they signed seven four-star players.
1: You was the an Ole Miss?
2: That was the yeah, 2018. I mean, 2018. Right. I mean that's, yeah, I
1: think somebody uh, said uh, the the pirate was recruiting and uh, and uh, Lane was doing interviews.
2: <laughs> but It'll be a fun game.
1: <laughs> and a they got
0: strategy.
2: Yes, they got you know they got 14 of their 22 signees from the state of Mississippi. So and outside of the Alabama game, they played everyone tough. And, you know, even the games they lost, it was a close game. So
1: yeah, i got the same, same things wrong. You take that Memphis game away, I mean, they're 8-4. I mean, he's made dramatic improvement down there. Losing some guys in the transfer portal kind of surprised me, some of them that are leaving. But, you know, you're either with this guy or, you know, he's just a he's very set in his way. He does things. And uh, there's no question that when you look at the West and you look at the way Sam Pittman has done, the way he's done, the way uh, Coach Kiffin has done right there in the third year, a second year, all three of them beat A&M.
0: Auburn trying to find some answers. Six and six in the league, three or three and five in the league, six and six overall. Uh, what was it, three weeks into the season? Got rid of the wide receivers coach. Now replacing Mike Bobo. It sounds like Austin Davis from the Seattle Seahawks will be coming in as the offensive coordinator for Brian Harson. Bowl game staying in state. The ticket smarter Birmingham bowl against Houston.
1: It'll be interesting to see how many people actually come to that game. You know that's a big stadium. Uh, I don't know if they're going to play in a new UAB stadium or play in the in the the old old stadium. But uh, you know Brian Harson's trying to put lipstick on a pig about this program, talking about the recruiting. Sure, it, they finished good and everything, but what did they finish in the league uh, as far as being? Twelfth, uh, I think. I think it was twelfth in yeah, the so, league. so maybe. Yeah, Level. so I, I just they what.
2: I think it may have be, been, uh, let's see. Actually, according to the rivals, eighth, eighth in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's not going to cut it. I mean, you know, you, you, you got a tough situation there to. Uh, that's Coach just Carson right there. I was, he was trying to get me to go be the offensive coach. But the only thing I would say about that Seattle guy is you hope that he brings Wilson with him at quarterback. If he brings him, they got a shot. But, uh, you know, Bo Nix is leaving. I don't know if Big Three's going to stay. I mean, let's just—they're—if uh, you look at any program, even compared to Vanderbilt, they're trending up compared to what Auburn is. To me, uh, personnel-wise, they're going to be worse. They're losing some good players to, to the portal. Even some of their offensive linemen with a year left are leaving. So, uh, this guy's in some serious. To me. He, he, I don't know that he's in over his head or what it is, but uh, I, I think they've got some real problems, don't you, Brent?
0: Uh, real yeah, and quick, they're they're playing the game at Protective Stadium, which is the new UAB Stadium. It's not at Legion well, that's, a,
1: that's a break for them. Uh, that's a go.
0: break. But that, the only the only note I wrote for this and
2: for Auburn, outside of just Tank having his fun every year of being in the portal and then not, uh, is is Brian Harson going to be the coach at this time next year? Because I, th- I don't know that
0: that's the case. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think that's. that's, I, don't know, that's gotta get,
1: I don't know what they're going to do on the vaccination. I mean, what's he got like 20 days left or something? I mean,
0: no, that, that, uh, there was an injunction against that. So, uh, mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future, that policy doesn't apply anymore.
1: I just, uh, wish the, I just wish he'd look in the camera when he's talking to, to the people. I, I mean, I can't figure the guy out. Uh, I mean, He's got good good people skills, and he talks good, but he always looked like he doesn't want to look at you. I mean, I don't understand it. Last team to discuss, and quite
0: an interesting one, uh, kind of uh, between LSU and Florida, the transition. Uh, LSU 6-6 six and six overall, 3-5 and five in the league. Edwards run out. Brian Kelly in, which still sounds a little bit weird when I say it. The Tax Act Texas Bowl against Kansas State.
1: Yeah, you know, you look at Brian Kelly. That's a home run hire, anyway. You look at it. I mean, the guy's has a tremendous record, and he started recruiting like you got to recruit at Notre Dame because you look all those years Notre Dame weren't you know, getting many guys drafted. Now they got them going left and right. So these big deals. Who's he going to be? Who's his coordinator's going to be? Uh, getting the right kinds of guys. To, you got Frank Wilson in there is going to help him recruiting. But you know, you you, you can get somebody in McDonald's down. Rouge and if they can speak English and talk at all they're going to recruit at LSU I mean you're going to recruit at LSU no matter what so now you just got to get their squad numbers back because they've been so depleted on the portal and kids just uh, going pro and all that but Kansas State's a tough out I mean they play that that offense where the quarterback you know does does those counter runs and all they go for it on fourth down and uh, th- th- it'll be a tough deal for uh, Kansas State going against that defense though because LSU all of a sudden is selling the ranch. That's the way they're playing. They're just getting after you. I don't know who's going to be coaching for LSU or who's going to be playing or who's going to be playing quarterback. You know, if Nussmeyer plays, he gives up a whole year because, uh, you know, he, pl- he can't play but in s- so many games and uh, and still gets your red shirt year in. And uh, I see where Brennan's coming back. But He's not going to be able to play in the game, I wouldn't think, with that injury. But Kansas State, to me, has got to be the favorite in this game.
2: I would agree. And, and I think, like you said, with, with Kelly, he's won wherever he's been. Like, he wins. Like, the dude is just – he just wins wherever he goes, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it was whatever uh, – I think it was Central Michigan that he was before he went to Cincinnati. And, you know, he's, he's just a good football coach. And now you just – if you put that with uh, the players that – you can typically get uh, at LSU as long as you don't turn it into a dumpster fire. I think they're going to be just fine. And he wants to compete for sort of the end. I think he knows that. I think he almost think he felt, hey, at Notre Dame, I'm capped at getting in the playoffs. I want to beat these guys. I want to, you know, get to that you know elitist elite level and, and go win the national championship. And I think he can do that at LSU. It's just a matter of finding the right guys and finding the right quarterback. And I think he's he's already got one. He's signed a five star QB and Walker Howard, so
1: he's he's on his way coaching me yeah uh, and Kelly, Kelly to me is the biggest threat uh that Nick Saban has in SCC West right now I mean even over Jimbo because uh you know I just think they'll they'll make a move really big time at LSU
0: Coach had mentioned Miles Brennan, and so uh, Brian asked on YouTube and Facebook uh, what we thought of him pulling his name out of the portal to State LSU. Quickly, I'll just tell you that I mean it seems like Brian Kelly is doing really quick assessments and pretty much telling his players, "Hey, you got a shot to play for me, or you don't," and, and they're making their portal decisions based off of that. Uh, Miles Brennan, when he's been healthy, is a really good quarterback. So I would not be stunned if he was the starter for LSU next year and was really good. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and that's why LSU Correct. has. And, and Max Johnson added a running element that Brennan doesn't have. So mm-hmm. we'll see what Brian Kelly does with that. Brent, you've seen as much as I have, but yep. a lot of potential with that kid,
2: and always graded out well uh, in the in the PFF grading. So
0: he's played well, and when he's had the opportunity, but like you said, just can't stay on the field. Yep. And, uh, hey, this is our last around the league for this season. We'll be doing some podcasts in the off season, but it just won't be on such a regular cadence. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing this with you guys every week, and it's all made possible by Connor Grading and Landscaping. Go check them out, support, and say that Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins and Dane Young told you about Connor Grading and Landscaping and what they can do for your yard. So that's... uh what close to 15 20 shows i don't know but we talk about every team in the sec every week that, that's a lot of content for our audiences and coach can't thank you enough for making time for it
1: yeah i enjoyed it uh, glad we we're able to do this season ending thing here and uh, it's uh, I hate for football to be over but we hopefully we got about three four more weeks here and uh, we'll see the dogs get all the way and get it going
0: you're not subscribed to this YouTube channel you should be make sure you do that and uh, Brent we will be doing some more film don't lie as we preview Michigan here in the yep. coming uh, week or so as we get around holidays so uh, to everyone out there Merry Christmas and happy holidays uh, we'll be back uh, with more content on our YouTube channel thanks for watching this is